Turn your Bible, Genesis chapter 9. Uh, Genesis chapter 9, I said Sunday night about all I know to say about being blessed in the Lord. Uh, you didn't get blessed Sunday night, you hadn't got any blesser. And uh, I just thank God that um, he who has God and everything else does not have any more than he that just has God alone. I don't care what you have, you don't have any more than he who just has God. Go with me? So tonight I'm not going to talk about that. We're going to go back and resume our study in Genesis chapter 9. Seems like it's been six months since we studied this. We're back to Genesis chapter number 9. We've seen some exciting things. We've seen some new things. We've seen some things we didn't know. Seen some things we have known for years. But God, I hope, is opening up the, the book of Genesis. If you hadn't been here every Wednesday night through the book of Genesis, you need to get the tapes for the nights you missed uh, because you missed uh, some things that might help you. Not only that, might help you teach your children how to stand against the secular, ungodly things that are going to be taught down the road, all right? You need to know the book of Genesis so you can confront the seducing devil's doctrine, okay? You need to do that because Genesis has the seed of everything we need to know in the Bible. If you don't know Genesis, no need in you touching Revelation. Just leave it alone. You can't understand it. You can't figure it out. So you've got to, you've got to learn the book of Genesis. So we're in chapter number 9. Three things we're going to look at, and we'll only get to one or two tonight. First of all, the new conditions that they live under. That's verses 1 and 7. Secondly, the new covenant that they live under. That's verses 8 through 17. And thirdly, the new curse to live under, verses 18 through 29. So let's look at the new conditions they live under in verses 1 through 7. Now you know there's been... There's been those 377 days of water that's covered the earth. And Noah, finally, it's time. God, op God says you can open the door now. You can go out. There's just four couples. Just Noah and his wife, his three sons and their wives, and they were saved in the flood. I got to thinking about that. I don't know how many people's going to heaven in the rapture. I, I believe it to be more than eight. I'm convinced it'll be more than eight. How many of you are going in the rapture? Well, that's more than eight, okay? But we don't really know what the population of the earth was in that day. And I wonder if the population of the earth in that day where eight was saved is going to be comparable to the population in our day to where maybe only a million is saved. You see, when I started pastoring, there were three million, four million people in this world. Now there's nine almost million people in this world. Billion, I mean, people in this world. So I don't know what the percentages are, but I can tell you this. Uh, the Bible says that there's few that's going to be saved. So when eight comes out, you better make sure that you're saved because you don't want to miss what God has for you in the future, and you certainly don't want to know what God has for you down here. So Noah, now, in verse number one, look at it. God blessed Noah 
son said to them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. In other words, he said, have a bunch of kids. That's what he said. Start having young'uns galore. Just start popping them out like popcorn. Bring the kids on. New descendants. He had to have new descendants. See, Noah, Adam, had been the head, uh, the national head of the human race, but now Noah becomes the national head of the race, and he and his sons had to populate the empty world, a world like the world had never known before, like those eight people had never seen before. They'd never seen an ocean. There wasn't an ocean in the other world. They, 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 didn't, they saw things they'd never, ever seen before. Things had totally changed in the flood. And so they come out. The new line of people comes out. But this new line of people has the same problem that the old line of people had. Look at chapter 8, verse 21. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. Now, y'all look in this, chapter 8, verse 21. For the imagination of the man's heart is evil from his youth. Don't tell me your teenager's a good little kid. They're demons. You was, I was, they are. They come forth from the womb, speaking lies. And so God says that from your youth, your heart is evil. And so when they walked out of that ark, they didn't walk out of there perfect. They walked out of there with the same old rotten nature they had. They'd just been saved by the grace of God. That's the only difference. The only difference in Noah and his family and the rest of them that got destroyed was Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's it. So I, I know when I look at today, you know, these, these commercials on television now, Ancestry.com. You have know, been saying that? They're kind of sickening, aren't they? Especially, they, they all look sissy. Every one of them sissy. And, and one of them's got on a kilt because he thought he was German. And then he goes and buys something else because he thought he was something else when he ran his. And then, then there's another one that he thought he was Swedish or Irish or something. And he picks up a picture and says, hey, this is my grandpa. He looks a whole lot like me, doesn't he? And kind of, it's just something that kind of nauseates you. Ancestry.com. I don't want to know my line of ancestors. Because I know it ain't good. I know about three or four generations back, and it's bad. It's bad. They're on the run from the law. They kill people. I mean, they've done just about everything. And I just don't want to go that way. But Ancestry.com really don't tell you too much because you know for sure who at least two of your ancestors are and probably three. Adam, Noah, and many of you, Japheth. Some of you, Ham. Are with me? So, the dark-skinned races, the Hamites, right? 
The white-skinned races were the Japhethites. So we know at least three of our ancestors, right? Y'all still with me? And so when we look at them, we know that uh, one of them was a buck-passing rebel, blamed his wife. Wasn't, wasn't much man, big sissy. And the other one was a drunk. That's your ancestry. That's where you came from. A drunk and a coward. You know, if Adam had just stood up to his wife, we wouldn't be beat down like we are by ours. We wouldn't be scared. But now we know that's how it all happened. So I'll be honest with you. I'm more interested in Calvary's tree than I am my family tree. Aren't you? And, and so we begin with three happy boys, a happy dad, charged with the responsibility of filling the earth with the line of descendants. Eight survivors, four couples. All right? So there's a new descendant. Secondly, there's a new dread in verse number two. And the fear of you... And the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth, upon the fowl of the air, upon the moving up on the earth, upon all the fishes of the sea, into your hand are they delivered. Now, before the flood, all the animals were tame. All the animals were tame. You could walk up to a tiger and pet him. You could walk up to a lion and pet him. You could walk up to a giraffe and ride him. I mean, you they were all tame. But now they're in a different world. And they start to notice their animals are not the same anymore. When they breed and when new animals are born, they become afraid of man. And they start to run from men. And they start to hide from man. And they're afraid of the people that they used to be tame under. Y'all getting this? So now, animals would not be tame, but they would have to be tamed. That's what we see. Man was responsible for protection and governing of animals. Now listen to me tonight. I'm not one of them nuts. I'm not one of them, you know, where they have to play two-minute three minutes of amazing grace while they show you a sad-looking dog. I'm not into that. Amen. I'm just not into that. But God did give us the responsibility for the governing and the protection of animals. Man needs to govern so as to use, not abuse, animals. Y'all hearing me? Use not abuse animals. We should not kill for the sake of killing anything or anybody. We should never kill just to kill unless it's a cat. <laughs> Forgive me, I'm just kidding, all right? I know some of you. And, and maybe a skunk, you could throw that in there too. But we're not to do that because God gave us those animals, what? For eating. You get animals to eat, right? 
You know, I think that's why when we go to Israel, we feel so good. We'll go to Israel, we feel so much better. And, and, and Tyroma hates the food over there, so she brings her a bunch of American stuff so she don't feel as good as the rest of us. But we feel good over there because we don't have to eat a bunch of stinking preservatives. And we don't have to eat a bunch of food that's been stuffed with something that ruins us and hurts us and not good for us. And so you feel good over there. And I think that has something to do with it. Animals were to be killed for eating. They were also for protection. And they fought for other beneficial needs. And so you say, well, I like to deer hunt. That's all right. But you make sure it has a purpose. If you're just killing to be killing, that's wrong. I know, I know. Some of you go, I'm going to get my gun shooting him right now. I'm telling you, to kill just to kill is not of God. Not. Now, if you're going to kill that animal to eat, that's perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. If you need to kill those animals to thin them out because they become a nuisance, that's perfectly fine. But to kill just to kill is wrong. Y'all with me? Now, one reason why man didn't eat animals, in the pre-flood days, it was hard to eat your animals because they were your pets. It's hard to eat your pets. Man, I couldn't eat Trooper. He's my boy. I couldn't eat Trooper. I mean, and if Trooper was a cow, couldn't he eat Trooper cow, you know? If he, if he was a pig, I couldn't eat Trooper the pig. Because he was, in the old days, everything Adam and Eve had known had been tame. So they didn't eat meat because the animals was their pets. They were tame. Snakes. I could just go up and take a snake play with it that's amazing isn't it how things had changed so they it, it also it's hard to uh, cook your pet then choke it down and so before the flood they didn't eat any meat god told them that he didn't tell them to and so they they didn't and so today we have something we call wildlife management and we need them simply because there are some people who just kill to kill. I remember when I was pastoring in Alabama, um, Buckhorn High School, where uh, Jan Landers was the cheerleader there. Brother Gary uh, went to another school. I can't remember. Gurley, I believe he went to Gurley. No, he went to uh, a school in Huntsville. Somehow he met Jan in her little, pretty little uh, uh, cheerleader outfit, and they fell in love and got married. But the mascot for Buckhorn High School was a 10-point buck. They had him in a cage. I mean, he was a good-looking buck. And some crazy, dumb fruitcake went down there one night, shot that 10-point buck mascot, not because they was hungry, not because they needed them a new deer skin coat, but so they could cut his head off and have a 10-point 
book. Friends, that's wrong. That's wrong. And had they got caught, they might have had a tail end full of buckshot because people down there didn't mind doing it. And so those kind of things is what God is trying to protect. He don't want us to do those kinds of things. That's why y'all be real careful with your cattle and your animals. Don't make them big pets because when it takes, gets time to slaughter them, you start, oh, God, I don't want to let them go. But you have to because you tied up money in them. Right? Y'all with me? So we have to have something called wildlife management today just to keep killers from killing just for the sake of killing. Did you know that most of the demons and uh, the demonic activity and witchcraft and those kind of things, you know what it starts with? Killing for the sake of killing. Sacrificing animals. Cats and dogs and, and small animals that they can get. That's how they start. And then later on, it becomes human beings. Uh, they kill for that sake. But now, there's tame animals that's going to fear man. They're going to run. They're not going to stay with them because he, he now is to have rulership over them. And animals should fear man. Understand that. Animals is to fear man unless you have tamed them. When you tame them, they don't fear you. But till they're tamed, they're supposed to fear you. If you're walking through the field and you jump a rabbit, what does that rabbit do? He runs, right? If you if you if you uh, 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 if you uh, swap up a covey a, a quail, what do they do? They scare you devil out of you first, and then they take off. Why? They're scared. They're supposed to be. If you see an animal that's not yours and he's coming at you in the daytime, you better kill him. Something's wrong with that animal. And especially if it's a night animal like a skunk or something like that because he's probably a rabbit. So they, they learned to be afraid of them, and they wasn't used to that at all. And the wild nature of animals also gave a wonderful nature to God's promise. It means that we would, ne listen, because now, get this, because now animals was now afraid of us, it gave us the promise we'd never have to catch them up again for a ride in an ark. That never happened again. So now animals don't just walk up into the ark. Now they run from man. And they're supposed to do that after that. So, and I run into, uh, you ever run into somebody that's a Christian and they say they're a vegetarian? Now, if you want to be a vegetarian, I don't care if you're a vegetarian. That's your business. You know, but I'm going to tell you, I like ham. I like hamburgers. I just do. I, I, I can't help it. I like meat. I like steak. Now, if you want to be a vegetarian, you be a vegetarian. You're just missing out on some good steak, I'm telling you. But, but vegetarians today will tell you that the Bible says that God's people, if they're really holy, should be a vegetarian. That's an absolute false statement. 
Vegetarianism has no scriptural warrant after the flood. Before the flood, yes. They didn't eat the meat before the flood. But after the flood, they could eat the meat. God gave it to them. He meant for them to eat the meat after the flood. Are y'all with me? So in other words, when those animals came out of the ark, rabbit season was on. Right? That's the way it was. So today, our diet has only one restriction. God didn't put a lot of restrictions on our diet. Our diet has one restriction. We need to call Michelle Obama and tell her what it is. It's not that you've got to eat an apple a day and keep a doctor away. That's not it. has one restriction, and that's overindulgence. That's the restriction. God gave discipline in eating as in other things, but God did not give restrictions of eating not eating animals or eating certain vegetables or certain herbs. Now, later on, God does give some diet restrictions, but not to us. He gives them to Israel. you got to remember, there's a difference between the nation of Israel and a pagan Gentile world. He didn't, he didn't give the Sabbath day to the church. He gave the Lord's day to the church. There's a lot of things people try to stick together that God never meant to stick together. And yes, he gave Israel some diet restrictions, but he didn't give us any. In fact, it became a big deal in the New Testament. Do you remember? They had their first business meeting over it. Yeah, yeah, over what they were eating. Them Gentiles down there eating all that meat. That's wrong. We need to vote them out. So they have a little meeting and they decide there's only three things three restrictions we're going to put on them but they don't eat anything with the blood in it why because it god said that 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 the life was in the blood it was to be drained out there was to be no blood in it they would eat that right not only that it was healthier for them Uh, and so god gave them that restriction he also said don't eat anything that's offered to idols if it would hinder somebody else so that's, he said, other than that, let them go. Let them have a, a porterhouse. And if they want to, they probably couldn't afford it, but they don't have one. And so I'm going to say something here. Beware of movements that limit diet. Many of those are cult or doctrines of heresy. You see, Paul saw Catholicism coming. That's why he gives us 1 Timothy chapter 4. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, I I didn't even mark it tonight, but I want you to, I just want to read it to you because Paul saw what was coming. He knew. He was watching the days like we watch the days, like I watch the days, like we sometimes we talk about the days among us and, and, and we watch the days. Look, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, that means the, the end times of the end times, the last part of the last part, okay? In other words, right now, he said, they'll come 
seducing spirits, doctrine of devils, talked about that Sunday, but look what they do. They'll speak lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. In other words, whatever they do, they think they're doing right. But look what they do in verse number three, forbidding to marry. See, see, Paul saw what was coming and commanding to abstain from meats which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. So tomorrow, look at verse 4, for every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. So when you sit around your table tomorrow with that big old t turkey sitting in the middle of it and you look, you got your eye on a big turkey leg and you got your eye on that stuffing stuffed up in there and you say, well, I don't know where God would let me eat that. God said, go ahead and fill up your gut. You may throw it up after a while, but fill it up now. And beware of anybody that says, now, we don't eat meat in our religion. We don't eat meat in our church. And certain people in our church can't get married. That goes against 1 Timothy chapter 4. Can't be a priest. Can't be a priest if you abide by that. Can't support it. So we had a new diet. Now, God put a limited prohibition of not eating the blood in verse number four of Genesis. And that, there was a reason why there was not to eat the blood in verse four. The flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall you not eat. So when they come off the ark, they could eat the animals, but look what they couldn't do. They could not eat that which the blood thereof was in. Another, they were to drain the blood like we do, like you should, like you would. They drain the blood from their animals. When you kill a deer, what do you do? You drain the blood. You gut him, field dress him, bring him home, hang him in a tree, let him drip. I used to cut him up so I didn't have to get the bone in them. I'd bone them out, put them in buckets of salt water so I could get the blood out of them. And then I'd wrap them in white paper, put them in the freezer, and then throw them on the grill. Amen? You don't eat it with the blood, though. You say, why? Well, number one, for health reasons. It's dangerous. It's disease-prone, Right? Number two, it meant that animals would die mercifully and they would die productively if you didn't eat them with the blood. Number three, and primarily, blood was the basis for atonement. Okay? Atonement means to be covered, right? So when you got saved, you know what happened to you? You got covered. When Noah was in the ark, the Bible said that it was covered covered with pitch. In other words, when Noah was in the ark, he had been atoned. He was atoned. He was covered. Are y'all with me? Now, you can find that in Leviticus chapter 17, verses 10 to 11. I'm not going to read it, but out of respect of life and, and out of redemption of man and out of redemption of the soul, God said, do not eat that which had the blood in it. Makes sense, doesn't it? Now, that does not, 
mean like the Jehovah's Witness believe that there is that you cannot take a blood transfusion. In fact, it means opposite from that. Since the life is in the blood, I think you'd want to have a blood transfusion if you needed it. If I, if I need one, I want one. As long as you ain't got nothing, give me your blood. Drain her out, put her in. Won't bother me. Now, if you got something, when I get well, I'm coming after you. But I remember a few years ago, you had to be careful, you know. Had to be careful. So I would imagine, this is just what I imagine. Y'all listen to me. I'm just, I'm going to have to quit early. Uh, I would imagine body sizes. I don't want to offend nobody here tonight. Don't you listen to me. I would imagine body sizes and shapes after the flood change to some degree. I'll tell you why. If all you eat is nuts and berries and that kind of stuff, that kind of stuff they tell me I'm supposed to be eating. If you eat that stuff, you will stay small. That is, unless you're taking steroids. But even though their diet was unrestricted, they became larger because they were eating different types food they now was eating meat they now was eating anything everything God opened said there's nothing unclean don't call anything unclean I've called clean right so probably body sizes changed they, they, they was probably smaller did you know just in my lifetime body sizes has changed when I was a boy everybody was skinny uh, well, not everybody, but most people were. Well, one reason why, because everybody worked like dogs. But the uh, second reason was, is that they didn't, didn't have the portions of food to eat that we have today. When you went to a restaurant when I was a boy, and you ordered a hamburger, you just got the, the hamburger. That was it. And you ordered fries, you got about 12 fries. That was a meal. Today, you go, you get a plate of fries about that long and a triple-decker hamburger about that tall, about that big around that drips on that old gal from Hardy's. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That's nasty. I wouldn't eat one of them things you bought for them and give to me. I ain't eating that nasty stuff. I, 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 to me, it's vulgar, and I don't eat it. But their body, here's what you had to do. Because of that, now listen to me. I'm, I, I, I'm not trying to offend you, but I just want you to, I'm trying to help you see what God is doing. Because of that, God put only one restriction on our diet and that, that, that was we self-restrict ourselves. Okay? Because it was just hard to be very large on roots and herbs and blackberries, you know? So there is to be a self-discipline in every one of us 
so as not to overeat and not to wrongly eat. Y'all already mad at me. I understand. I know. But let me give you two verses. Look at Proverbs 23, 21. I'll quit here just. I got just a word or two more, and we're done. We didn't get very far tonight. I wanted to teach these young people some things that would help them even at school, but I didn't get there tonight. So, Shane, you will have to, I'll show you and you teach them. Proverbs 23, 21. If I can get my eyes working here. All right, you got it? Look what it says. For the drunkard and the shall come to and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. If you are someone who are given to overindulgent, you not only will be lazy, you will be poor. Not successful. Only way you won't be poor is if somebody gives you something, not because you earn something, because work won't be in your vocabulary when you start overeating constantly. I knew I wouldn't get in the way men's there. All right, just look over Proverbs 23, verse 2. Proverbs 23, verse 2. Now, y'all not going to like this verse. I don't, I don't even like this verse. <laughs> Look. And put a knife to thy throat if thou be a man given to appetite. God said you'd be better off cut your throat as to be an overeater because if you're an overeater, before long you won't be providing for your family. Before long you'll be laying on the couch drinking Budweiser and eating peanuts and Doritos. And you're not going to be worth killing the rest of your life. So you just might as well cut your throat. Y'all see what I'm saying? So health problems sometimes is created and lazy. You know, some people are lazy because they eat too much. Or they eat the wrong things. It also has a a, a, a lot of health problems that goes along with it, and I'm facing some of those myself. I gained more weight than I've ever gained in my life through through, through this thing, and, and and so it creates some problems. It and it makes you a little slower and a little more sluggish, and and that's what he's saying right here. It, it gives, it doesn't give the uh, Holy Spirit any control over your life because what controls your life is food. So I know this is hard to preach on tonight. I meant to get by this real quick and just, you know, just kind of skip over it. And, but we need to know what God said about this. Because we're going to face people who happens to know these passages. And we need to know how to deal with them. I can't remember when I'm not being mean. I love every one of you. I am thankful for a core in our church that I can count on no matter what. I'm thankful for a core that don't get offended when I preach the Bible no matter what. 
It's not all of us, but it's, we got a core. I'm thankful for you that's the core. And so when I say things that I think straight out of the Bible, I don't say those to offend anyone. But I cannot ever remember anyone coming to this altar and saying, Brother Glenn, I want you to pray for me because I'm having a problem with eating too much. I'm having a problem with being lazy. I'm having a problem with wanting to kill when killing doesn't need to be done. Nobody's ever come to the altar and said that to me. Maybe they've said it to some of our pastors, but I've never, ever heard it said. I've never heard someone come to the altar and say, Pastor, I have no discipline in my life. I had a young man call me today. I love him. He was having a problem with self-discipline on a certain area of his life. He called me and said, how did you deal with it? You used to do those things. I said, yep, I did. He said, how did you deal with it? I said, here's how I dealt with it. Whatever it is, I don't care what it is, I took me some note cards and I wrote me some Bible verses down. Let's just take bad language. And I used it when I'm ashamed of that, but I did. Let's say we use bad language, but yet we just can't seem to kick it. It seems like every time we get mad, there it comes again, you know. We don't want to. We, we, we try to hold it. We just, just can't. Here's what I did. I went to the Bible, and I found me about five or six verses that dealt with bad language. I found five or six verses that dealt with uh, self-control because of smoking. I, I, I found me several verses that dealt with alcohol and, and gambling and, and, and a few other things I won't mention, but I got me some verses. And I put them on note cards and stuck them in my work pocket. And every time a strand of wire would run out from me about halfway down the line. I'd have to hang a big ladder up mid-span about 60 feet, and, and I'd be mad, and I'd let something roll I shouldn't let roll. Immediately, the Holy Ghost would convict me, and I'd stop on that ladder and pull out that card, and I'd read that card, and I'd say, God, forgive me for what I just said. I said, if you'll do that, before long, it'll become the habit of your life, and you won't need a card. The Holy Ghost will just be teaching you. Y'all with me tonight? Now, I don't know what yours is. It may be something I hadn't even come close to mentioning, but you know what it is. Your restrictions should come by looking in the mirror or climbing up the steps or your lack of discipline. I don't know. Where it is. I wonder tonight if just some of us care enough to say, God, I, I, I really blow it in some areas. And I know it's accepted. I know other people do it. I know nobody will ever say probably anything to me about it. I, 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 I know that. I, but, but, but God, it bothers you and it bothers me. So, God, would you give me victory over this thing? And, God, I'm willing to fight it if you'll help me. 